Patrick O'Donnell, of course, my wingman, Captain Bannon, were um, discussing the writings of, uh, of Patrick O'Donnell, and particularly in back of um, the uh, the high the high civic religion of Memorial Day, because it's not Veterans Day, and it's not just a day for uh, opening the summer beach house or the backyard barbecues. All that that's all part of Americana, and obviously uh, a huge part of this, but it's also to honor uh, the war dead. Uh, Patrick, I want to go back before we start. I want to continue on with the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and the Unknowns and the ceremony that uh, that took place to start this off. But for the audience, their personal histories. There, there's so many people in this audience that don't realize that the, the uncles or even sometimes the aunts or that had part of the war effort. If you really started to do your own research about your own family, you would be shocked. You'll be shocked and surprised, pleasantly surprised to find the contributions they made, not just to the war effort, but oftentimes uh, those that actually uh, died in defense of their country. Patrick. Absolutely, Steve. I'm not going to plug it per se, but I'm a fan of Ancestry.com in the sense that it's an incredible tool that allows you to to burrow into your own genealogy. And it's, believe it or not, I'm a historian, but it's, I'm, I've been reluctant to burrow into my own past for some personal reasons, but found out that I've got relatives that were at Lexington and Concord and, you know, came to America in 1619. So it's 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 an incredible window into the past and for people explore it. It's worth it. Because we, we it have as, so many as... fake heroes today, right? Yes. That are constantly in, you know, that are on TV and everything else. But in reality, there's so many true heroes that are just in your own family in many cases or in other people's families that did some incredible, if, extraordinary things. Yeah. If you look back, even go back to the films of, of World War Two and you think of the, the roles Gregory Peck played like in 12 O'Clock High or, or Jimmy Stewart played. Or even uh, a famous and incredible film, if you haven't seen it, uh, um, They Were Expendable, which I think is one of John Ford's greatest films. It's it's John Wayne is really you've never seen not not a swaggering flying leathernecks, but really a uh, he and Robert Montgomery about the the PT boats of uh, the early days of uh, right after the attack of Pearl Harbor in the Philippines of those all those um, uh, units that knew they were going to just have to get crushed. Right. They would not be there for a victory. They were going to be there at the beginning wave of of being overwhelmed. But you see that and then later the movie Rambo, the power of your books. And I think the power of see is that these heroes are everyday Americans and they're not Rambo. And they're certainly not these comic book characters today. And this is one of the things I'm on all, you know, getting all, I see these Viking movies and all these movies and people running around. And that, that's just not that's not what uh, that's not what it was about. 
If you go and, and, and read uh, Patrick Cardone's or all the other ones, you'll see that these are everyday Americans, ex- ex- ordinary people stepping up and doing extraordinary stuff, and, and, and clearly heroes with incredible amount of courage. And particularly, you're thrown into the uh, into the cauldron of World War One. Remember, France did the first uh, Tomb of the Unknown. I think France lost was it four million? Men? I mean, the trenches are the, the French. It's an incredible number. Incredible! It broke. It broke France. That's why France really cratered in World War Two. It broke them. Not the Napoleonic Wars are bad enough, but World War One. It was a slaughter pen for the French. It was a slaughter pen for the British. This is why you know the first day of the Somme. This is why the British were always so hesitant to start a second front in the West and have D-Day. Churchill and those guys talked about it all the time. They couldn't. They were. They were. This is why Dunkirk. They were one big battle slaughter like that away to being checked out of the war. The British population just wouldn't take it. The, the, the trauma of these countries from the, first, from the Victorian era to what the slaughter pens of, of the Western Front were, were traumatic in, in America. This is why World War I, when people came home, was not finally remembered. And, and, and remember, we talked about this in the show last week from Geneva with, uh, with um, Noor bin Laden and Jack Posobiec where she was in front of the League of Nations. It was the American people basically stood up to Roosevelt. These guys said, we don't want any more involvement with this Europe. We, we, don't want to, we don't want to be a part of it. We don't want any League of Nations. This was traumatic for us. And in that, this whole movement to have uh, the Tomb of the Unknown and this whole fight about bringing our boys back, but the cost of it and what was going to happen, and then the unknown itself. What happened when, it, it, when, when, the, when the remains got here and win the capital. Pick the story up then and, and walk us through the ceremony, the very first ceremony, and how, how the spot was chosen at Arlington Narrow Cemetery, which is the finest view of Washington is where the Tomb of the Unknown is uh, today. Absolutely. The, the remains of the unknown are um, escorted by the body bearers, the men that are in the unknowns, the book that I wrote, who were the most decorated heroes of World War I. And it's first brought to the Capitol Rotunda, where it lies in state. And this ceremony is a who's who of America and the world that shows up. All the world leaders come. Um, all the people uh, in, in, the, in American society um, are there. And it's, it's, um, it's a healing moment, too to heal the wounds of even the American West. And um, the person that is one of the final participants in the ceremony is an American Indian chief from the Plains, Chief Plenty Clues. Um, But you have the NAACP there, you have kind of all walks of American society. Initially, they plan to invite every Medal of Honor recipient from the Civil War forward. Many came on their own um, dime, but they were going to pay for them to show up um, and, and be part of the um, the ceremony. And so this is an incredible event. The um, after the, it, it's in the rotunda for a day on the 11th, which corresponds with the end of World War One, the um, a caisson, which was used to um, bring the remains of President Lincoln was used to to bring the casket forward to 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 it goes across the bridge 
into Arlington from Washington, D.C. And there's an incredible um, but solemn parade, um, which has these these decorated heroes that are actually the body bearers that are carrying the casket on the side of the caisson. And you have behind it medals of honor recipients such as Alvin York and others, um, as well as General Pershing, who instead of wearing all of his medals, only wears one simple medal, which is the victory medal from World War One. And uh, he marches with the other. He doesn't He can ride a horse, but he doesn't. He marches. You have the Chief Justice, Supreme Court, and the President also behind the caisson, and they they go to Arlington. From there, they um, they have a very solemn ceremony. There's some speakers. President of the United States. Hang hang on, just hold hang on one second. I just want people to understand this. From the Capitol, uh, when they bring the remains down and after laying, lying in state and, and put it on the caisson, the caisson goes down past the Lincoln uh, Memorial and then over the the bridge, what's called Memorial Bridge, probably the most beautiful bridge in Washington, one of the most beautiful bridges in America. Are you saying the Chief Justice Pershing and the President actually followed the caisson on foot? Many of these men did, yes. They followed the caisson through the procession and and then came to Washington or to to Arlington itself. that is not a short walk. <laughs> that's that's a uh, particularly in semi-formal attire. That is that is something. So they actually marched in back or walked in back of the in honor of the uh, the uh, the unknown soldier to in, in back of the caisson. That's one of the, I mean that's the sort of the humbleness of of the event as well. Instead of washing, some of these men could have rode, but they 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 walk, and uh, they make their way there. And President Harding delivers a um, the first. It's it's effectively a radio address to the nation, and they use a, a telephone system to provide a radio address. It's the first first of its kind, a national broadcast. And President Harding's words um, echo across the country of, of what he what he relays there and and the significance of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. And as, as the ceremony goes on, um, they place the highest decorations on the casket. The Medal of Honor is placed there, Distinguished Service Cross and others. And then foreign countries around the world place their highest medals on the casket itself. And as the ceremony moves forward, one of the final individuals is Chief Plenty Clues that places his... Um, his war hammer on top of the casket, and as well as bonnet, and says some special words. And Plenicles is is it's a very interesting um, demonstration, symbolic to, to have him there. And it's important because we had been fl- fighting with Amer- Native Americans for decades, centuries, and this is a way of healing and incorporating. Um, Native Americans into which they fought very bravely. One of our, one of the body bearers in in the um, in the story is a full full Native American that um, was a combat engineer that captured scores of Germans at the Battle of San Mihiel. And it's a, this is a sense of healing. And there's there's many other um, 
elements to the Tomb of the Unknown which provide a level of healing across the country and bring people together. When did they come up with the concept um, that uh, with the old guard, the old guard, and I want you to spend a few minutes on that, the old guard, but the 24-hour day, no matter if it's a hurricane or if it's a blizzard, 24 hours a day of a, of a armed um, guard marching back and forth quietly in a, in a highly stylized uh, ceremony that goes on constantly. What happens is the... Um the tomb is not guarded initially, Steve. And for many years, the the general public can come as they want to the tomb. But it was it was desecrated. People would have picnics on the tomb. They vandalized the tomb. And then um, several years after its inception, the old guard comes in um, as a 24-7, you know, every day of the year guard of the tomb. And it's for those that haven't been to it, it's probably one of the most extraordinary ceremonies in America. Is the uh, is the walk and the guarding of the tomb, where these uh, sentinels are there um, every day. One of the great honors that I had was I was made a, a, an honorary member and given a number for the tomb guard because for 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 the book of the unknowns, which I was. Uh, deeply honored by, and they also incorporated the, some of the history that I brought out in the book, which was unknown at the time I uncovered. So it was a, a deep honor. I think you're right. If you ever get to Washington, D.C., it is one of the most um, um, solemn, solemn um Occasions and, and to go to the you can go every day of the week I think and, and see that the uh, the guard and the changing of the guard and all that at the tomb of the unknown. Okay, short commercial break and we're going to have Patrick K. O'Donnell, Captain Maureen Bannon. They're going to join us on the other side here on a Memorial Day special. I want to thank everybody, particularly Real America's Voice. This uh, broadcast is going to replay today in our normally work five to six is going to go from four to six we're going to replay both hours of this so you can get it in the afternoon also if you're if you've um, missed the first part of this okay uh, short break patrick k o'donnell combat historian captain maureen bannon uh, from west point 101st airborne join us on the other side President Trump recently issued a warning from his home at Mar-a-Lago. And I want to quote this. Our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard, which will be the greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years. End quote. He did that in the interview that I had with him a couple of weeks ago at his home. Now, there are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar. Inflation, deficit spending, in our insurmountable national debt. The fact is there's one asset that has withstood famine, wars, and political and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times. That would be gold. Gold has been a hedge against chaos from time immemorial. And you can own it 
in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Let me repeat that. You don't pay a penny out of pocket. Just text Bannon to 989898 for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the entire process. Let me repeat that. Birch Gold professionals will hold your hand through this entire process. Now think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. It always has been. How much more time does the dollar actually have? Protect your savings with gold like I did. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Text Bannon to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold. Text again, Bannon, to 989898. Remember, the best part is you don't pay a penny out of pocket to get this information and start the process. Do it today. Take action. For joining us for our Memorial Day special, something we do annually, I think, I don't know, eighth or ninth year doing this, with Patrick K. O'Donnell. Um, Captain Bannon, the old guard, one of the most revered um, units. Patrick, remind me, wasn't the old guard, it's attached back, it's actually tied back, I guess, theoretically back to, to Washington's guard back at uh, at valley forge is that where the is that where the the concept comes from well the the unit itself goes back to the revolutionary war it's not a direct tie to to washington's guard per se um in the indispensables i bring out the story of the lifeguard or the or the uh the commander-in-chief's guard but they they do go back to the revolutionary war and it's uh you know, an extraordinary unit that has a an incredible tradition. The, the, for folks at home that are not associated with the Army, people, a lot of people don't remember or don't know, the Army's actually older than the country. The Continental Army is 1775, correct? correct? It's, it's, it, it's, the Army's actually, the Continental Army, which was the, the became the U.S. Army, is actually 1775. It's a year older as, than as actually the, the Navy, too, by the way. But you're as is the, as, the, the Navy, <laughs> Both were born the, the, in the army, the army, the, the army, the were army pretty tough hombres. But yes, yes. And my beloved Navy, uh, it was a collection of free add, boot. If we get into it is, is Washington's <laughs> Navy was also in some ways the army's Navy, which predates and pre, is the precursor it, to the U.S. Navy. Yes, Navy. <laughs> much, and the army still has. They might not like that, but Navy. it's the truth. No, no. The, the, in the, the navy, the navy, our founding navy was the free, it was a, gr- a collection of freebooters and quasi pirates, as the Royal Navy was by Francis Drake and all the all the buccaneers and, and freebooters that that formed that. Uh, 
Captain Bannon, the old guard, you anybody uh, in your class or you have anybody that's been any of the unit commanders or, or been with the old guard? Um, I do. None of my classmates have been in the old guard commanding. However, I do have a friend that was a commander in the old guard. Um, like the Ranger Regiment, you have to be selected to the old guard. It's not just a unit you can get orders to. It's a very prestigious unit to be a part of. So you have to be selected for it. And the regiment's mission is to conduct memorial affairs to honor fallen comrades, ceremonies, and act on behalf of the United States Army. Um, and they also do dignified transfers at Dover Airfield. Yes. I think Tom Cotton might have been part of the old guard. I, I got it. Patrick, do you know that? I think Tom Cotton actually. That's correct, yeah. Selected. They wrote a, he wrote a fine book about the uh, the tomb as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, very important. Um Tell me about, I want to go back, General Pershing, I don't even know if you know this, but you're, you're on your mom's side, or your grandmother's side of the family, her, her father, the, the hers side, uh, my grandfather, her, her, her father, his brother actually served with Blackjack Pershing on the Mexican border in the, in the border dispute that uh, the expeditionary force that uh, went in after Pancho Villa, after Pancho Villa came and shot up, I think it was Columbus, New Mexico, and they sent an expeditionary force, is when Pershing really became known to the American people, they sent an expeditionary force actually into Mexico to sort that out. But your great, I guess your great, great uncle, on this case, your great uncle actually was with Pershing, who was such a renowned figure. I want to, and, and, and to Pershing, I want to get back to these body bearers. How did Pershing, how were they selected? Because this was like, Pershing had a certain way he looked at the world of, of about fighting men, right? He had a certain way he ran that army. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was MacArthur in uh, as a as a colonel and maybe a brigadier general. I didn't. I think MacArthur w was awarded three, four, five silver stars from the time they got to World One all the way. He he took that he took them all the way down to Metz. Where the war basically ended before they they breached uh, they they crossed the river there, but he had a certain way of running. This is why he was so renowned. He had a certain way of uh, of um, leading that army. Had a certain way that he wanted people to conduct themselves in combat. He he was a taskmaster. In fact, there's this controversy now about getting General Grant, I think, his fifth star, and uh, and Pershing, I think, had, had the had the fifth star as General Washington did. But tell me about the people that he selected, the, 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 the body bearers. The, the, the heart of The Unknowns, the book that I wrote, is the body bearers. And it's the story of World War I through their eyes, Steve. It's a, this book is not just a, a, a story about the ceremony of the Tomb of the Unknown story, uh, a Soldier. It's about these body bearers, and it's a combat history of World War I through their eyes that the general Pershing himself selected each one of these men. They're bona fide heroes. They are in some cases the most decorated of their service branch medal of honor recipients or distinguished service cross recipients. And it's, it's variegated. It's not just the army, it's the Navy. And the first story and the opening story in this book begins on the high seas in the Bay of Biscay with James Delaney, who is on a merchant ship, and he is what is known as an armed guard. 
and their role is to protect the ship from U-boats. The U-boat brings America into the war. Unrestricted warfare is raging, and they are sinking Allied ships left and right. And it's General, it's uh, President Wilson in March 1917, before we enter the war, that we decide to arm commercial ships with Navy crews and Navy guns to defend themselves. And it's Delaney that's on one of these boats. And if you've ever seen the movie Das Boat, this is, this is a mirror of that, but it's an American version. And how this occurs is an incredible story that I unearthed in the unknowns. Delaney is on the ship and everything is moving along nicely. They're bringing some cargo um, to Spain and suddenly a U-boat appears off in the distance. The boat quickly submerges, it dives, it goes into battle stations and it fires a torpedo. And the, the ship is able to, it misses the ship. And for U-boats, torpedoes are extremely a valuable commodity. They only have about eight to 12 of them. So they're not gonna blow them um, unless they, they know they got the, unless, they, unless it's, it's economical. And they, they size up this merchant ship and they don't think it's armed. So they surface the U-boat and um, they keep a distance, a wise distance. They're out of their, their shell range, but the U-boat has some fairly large guns on it. And they start to hammer this ship or at least fire at it. And most of these rounds miss. And this is where James Delaney goes into action with his crew. And they man their own guns, um, three-inch guns, and they start to fire at the U-boat. And it's a cat and mouse running battle between the U-boat and this, this steamer, which is trying to flee the U-boat. But believe it or not, when the U-boat's on, on the surface, it's actually relatively fast. And this goes on for hours. And they literally fire over 200 rounds. And the U-boat finally starts to make a, their, their, their rounds hit. And they hit near the engine room. And Delaney's men, are bleeding from their ears because of the concussions from the, the, the guns. And uh, it's at that point that the captain of the boat says that we need to surrender. And Delaney insists that they keep firing, um, but they're running out of ammo. And uh, they, they surrender the boat, and a boarding party come, from the U-boat comes aboard, and they take um, the men prisoner. And they also they lay charges in the boat itself. And uh, they, before they do that, the U-boat's crew is starving. They literally seize all the, the fresh food that they can. And uh, they even take soap because their life on board a U-boat, if you ever saw a DOS boat, is a grimy it's experience. There's grease, there's sweat from the, the sea, everything is pouring in on these U-boats, it's a, it's a very a dark and tough existence. And they take these Americans prisoner, um, about eight of them, including Delaney and the captain, and they experience what it's like. Like is life, life what life is like in a U-boat. It's the only Americans that actually get to experience that as the captors. Um, they're prisoners of these Germans and the prisoner is um, it's a, he's a, it, the captain is amazing. He's he speaks perfect English, and he talks to Delaney. And they, they they he interrogates him. Delaney lies through his teeth about things. So he 
doesn't reveal any kind of operational details. But they gain a level of respect between the two crews because of the shared experience that they endure. They go through um, depth charge attacks. They encounter what's known as a Q-ship, a British ship that is disguised as a merchant ship. But as soon as the U-boat surfaces, hidden deck guns finally, finally reveal themselves and they start to pepper the U-boat, which they quickly dive through. They go through a minefield. It's all the stuff of a movie. It's ex an extraordinary wow. story. And Delaney um, somehow has to survive all this, which he does, and a prisoner of war camp for over a year. Wow. One of the body bearers uh, of the first uh, unknown soldier. Let's take a short break. We're going to return. Patrick K. O'Donnell, Captain Maureen Bannon, yours truly, Stephen K. Bannon. Short break for a Memorial Day special. We'll be back in a moment. Stephen K. Bannon here with a warning. When's the last time you checked the legal title to your home? What if the title to your home, the legal document that proves you actually own it, is in some criminal's name? That's home title theft, and it's a total and complete nightmare. Home titles are online now. And once a criminal forges your signature, it's a race against time to stop him before he takes out loans against your home or worse, sells your home. So when's the last time you checked your home's title? My partners at Home Title Lock demonstrate how criminals get you in minutes. They found the title to my home online and forged my signature, stating I sold my home. Some criminal was now the owner. Home Title Lock helps shut it down. That's what they do better than anyone on this planet. How do you know some criminal hasn't taken over your title to your home? Find out free with a sign-up and get 30 days. Let me repeat that. 30 days of free protection when you use promo code Bannon at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com, Bannon. That's promo code Bannon at HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. Do this today. Take action, action, action. Welcome back. That song is obviously Mansions of the Lord. It was from uh, the Mel, I think it was actually written uh, for the Mel Gibson movie. It played, I think it really became, obviously the movie was very big, but it came, uh, I think, known more broadly. It was a, the song that was sung at the um, end of President Reagan's <clears throat> uh, ceremony at Washington National Cathedral when they removed the remains. Uh, to head out to California. It was incredibly uh, moving. Uh, one of the most beautiful renditions that we get is by the West Point Choir. It's just incredible, incredible. Um, and they sing it in the chapel, the famous chapel at West Point, which is, when they call it chapel, it's like a Gothic cathedral. Incredible, um, incredible church space. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors, MyPillow.com. Please go over the holiday weekend, MyPillow.com. Promo code WARM. they got sales all over. Buy one, get one free. The slipper sale, all that, and also Warpath Coffee. Warpath Coffee is a coffee company by Navy SEALs, warpath.coffee, and we got the dark roast and, of course, the uh, breakfast blend, uh, 
put up uh, War Room and you get 10% off. I uh, want to thank you about that. And also, uh, God bless the USA Bible. This is Lee Greenwood's Bible. It is the Bible, the King James Version of the Old and New Testament, coupled with the founding documents, the divinely inspired founding documents of our founders, our nation. And uh, his publisher rejected that. And uh, he's done doing it himself. He's such an incredible guy. And we're helping him market it. So go to God bless the USA Bible dot com uh, and if you're so inclined and it, it moves you think it's something you can use in your life or with your family uh, make sure you put in promo code warm you get shipping and handling free and it's uh, it's heavy so that's a, a real savings uh, I want to go to Patrick T- Donald, Cat- Patrick a little press for time but I want to finish a couple of the vignettes on the body uh, bearers or and, and, and I want to tell everybody it turns out the unknowns because we've talked about this book and, and the episodes for many many years and of course your other combat histories it's actually out in paperback for the first time, I believe, right? Is that the first time it's been in paperback? It's actually the Indispensables that just came out. Oh, the Indispensables in uh, yeah. Indispensables, I know and love. That, oh, yeah, that, that just came the came Indispensables. When, in, in, how do they get to – they go to Amazon and get the paperback edition of that? You can go to Amazon or it's the front – it's at the uh, new paperback table at Barnes & Noble. It's, you can get it anywhere. And that, that book, uh, we keep, I mean, you know, we, we keep a we keep a stack of them here in the war room. So people come, we give it to them. It's, they always come back to me, and they absolutely love that. Anything else about the body bearers? For I want to talk about the Battle of Brooklyn for the Indispensables because it's so powerful and it shows you the sacrifice of ordinary Americans in an extraordinary situation. Absolutely. Um, I think I'll close with the um, unknowns on one of my the body bearer that brought me to this book. And I was, um, when I wrote the unknowns or uh, the idea found me, uh, all the, all the ideas in the books found me. And that idea found me in the sense that I was a guide for the, um, fifth Marines. Initially, we went over to France. I, I was with, uh, three, one Lima company in Fallujah. And that battalion commander then was the regimental commander one five, and he asked me to, to go to France with the 5th Marines and, uh, and, and give a tour of, of the beaches of Normandy. But when you're in France with the 5th Marines, it's, you've got to go to Belle Wood. That's the most sacred place of the Marine Corps in many ways. So I accompanied them there and we toured the battlefield. And I was there with you know, many of the men that had, I was in Fallujah with. So it's a, that's a special thing to be able to go back in time to this incredibly significant battle with individuals that you had been in combat with. And we went through the, the shell-torn fields of Bella Wood um, to you know areas where they're still encased in the trees. Literally, there are shells that are filled with mustard gas. And there's shells that are the size of a car or a house that um, fell in that area. And we went to an area called Hill 142, or I'm sorry, Hill Fort 142, which is um, an epic story, which is, it unfolds on June 6, 1918. And this is when the the Marines launched their attack um, on Bella Wood across fields of wheat into German machine guns. And um, the main character in the book and the story, the first Medal of Honor recipient for the Marine Corps is Ernest A. Jansen. And Jansen is is urging his men with the 49th Company 
to move forward. And um, they, they, they seized the hill against all odds. And the small company, along with some other companies and some engineers, take the hill across this field of wheat. And, you know, doctrine in the German army is to immediately counterattack. And they knew that that counterattack was coming and it was going to be swift and deadly. And they started to, to dig in some shallow foxholes. And Jansen, you know, was urging his men uh, to dig in along with the officers in the unit. And uh, it's Jansen that literally saves Hill 142. The Germans have six machine guns, light machine guns that they're setting up. And he sees it out of the corner of his eye and launches a one-man bayonet charge on those machine guns and bayonets many of the men and kills them. And it's, it saves the hill from being, you know, swept by machine gun fire. And uh, wow. in the process, though, he's very heavily wounded, nearly almost mortally killed, uh, wounded. Um, but his, his wounds are severe, but he's able to recover. And he is selected by Pershing as the first body bearer. But Jansen is a very interesting story. He receives two medals of honor, the Army Medal of Honor and the Navy Medal of Honor. At this time, during World War I, two medals of honor were received if you served in the Marine Corps within a, an army unit. But Jansen's not only got two medals of honor, but he has two names. And this is where it's quite interesting. He, um, before he joined the Marine Corps, he was with the United States Army. And he went AWOL, it's suspected because of a, a girl or, or some sort of a, a, a situation. And um, he changes his name and then joins the Marine Corps several years later. And he's a model Marine. And um, Ernest A. Jansen is initially Charles Hoffman during that battle. And um, it's, it's all sorted out after he receives the Medal of Honor. And he's also given this incredible um, opportunity to, to be the body bearer and wow. tell part of his story. But the book is about his story, but it's a band of brothers on that 49th company which goes through the entire war and the toughest battles. And there are places so like Mont Blanc the, and others, and it's an incredible story. You, you get, and you get to learn the history of World War One. Give me a couple of minutes on the Battle of Brooklyn. Remember, people talk about the Declaration, obviously the, the birth of the foundation of the country, but what people also, a lot of people don't re realize that 90 days after the signing of the, of the Declaration, the American army, as it's the, the, tiny as it is, is in a full scale with the British, the biggest expeditionary force ever brought by the British Empire. And I mean, they're bringing the hammer. To, they want to kill this thing in the cradle. Uh, in the Battle of Brooklyn, people don't realize in Brooklyn, the heart of Brooklyn was the first, I think, uh, big battle after uh, after um, after Boston. Right. That, this that, is an really absolutely massive battle. And it's an inflection point, Steve, because it's here that all could have been lost. And the battle unfolds on August 27th. Interestingly enough, it, be, it begins in a watermelon patch where the scouts for, for both armies, the scouts of the British Army are, are, are probing our lines, which in today, it's, it's, it's a place called Greenwood Cemetery. And for those that live in the New York area or Brooklyn area, there is tons of American history in plain sight. Some of it is marked, some of it is not. 
Greenwood Cemetery and a place called the Red Lion Inn is where this watermelon patch was. The scouts in the British Army probe it, shots are fired, and this is the opening of the battle, which involves, uh, I wrote a book called Washington's Immortals. It involves the Marylanders and the Delaware line, and they are rushed from their headquarters, which is in a, um, a stone house several miles back from Greenwood Cemetery. They march in the dead of night around 4 or 5 a.m. to a position around Greenwood Cemetery. And it's here that the British conduct what's known as a demonstration. They want to tie down these Marylanders and other continental units. But what's happening is a massive flanking movement around Greenwood Cemetery is occurring where Cornwallis and other troops from the British Army are about to encircle the troops that are in Greenwood Cemetery. And um, they're on a salient, basically, along with General Sullivan and others. And it's successful. And they're cut off. And they realize, to their absolute horror, that they are being surrounded by the British. And these Marylanders and Delaware troops and others have to literally fight their way back to the location of this stone house. And it's there that they realize, to their horror, that thousands of Americans are about to be cut off and destroyed. And it's, in many ways, the entire American army is about to be destroyed. And here, the Marylanders launch a suicidal, in some ways, you know, they're very small in number, about 300, 400 troops total against a fixed position with Cornwallis near and around the stone house. And they march and fight with bayonets to attack that house. But the reason why they're doing it is to buy time for the rest of the army to escape and also to tie down the wings of the army and to create a gap in the line, which they successfully do. And the main character of my book, Mordecai Gist, for Washington's Immortals launches attack after attack. And we talk about Memorial Day. Most of the men of the 400, of the Maryland 400, or Washington's Immortals, have never been accounted for. They are buried, very likely, many of them are buried near and around the house where they fell, they fall, they fell or they were prisoners of war by the British and they died on prison ships, and their bodies were cast overboard and, like bags of garbage. And, and Brooke, look, look, this is the thing. In downtown Brooklyn, you saw there's a plaque on one of the things. The, the, they're, they're buried, these heroes, the American Thermopylae, you call it, just yes. average Americans, right, the very beginning of our country, within 90 days of the signing of the Declaration, you hear everything about the Declaration, you don't... This their is blood the signs they're, they're, a Declaration of Independence, Steve. Yes. Yes. And they're buried in an unmarked grave. They're buried in two places. An unmarked grave somewhere in Brooklyn, near where the stone house is. We kind of know approximately where it is. Or folks forget, were there 18,000 prisoners on the, on the, on the, the prison ships in Brooklyn? The numbers are very nebulous on this, but some say yeah. over 10,000 American prisoners, maybe prison upwards of 18, were captured by the British. It, and they, they survived the, hell ships, floating concentration. So, so, uh, 
It's clo uh, uh, floating concentration camps and the bodies thrown overboard. Okay. It's Memorial Day. We're going to take a short break, and we're going to be back to wrap things up here in the war room. Be back in a moment. Right now, many Americans are feel, feeling powerless. You know the feeling. The economy isn't stable. Crime continues to plague our communities, and those in charge do not seem to care. There's something empowering about knowing that you have the skills to defend yourself, and that's why I endorse iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual far, firearm at any time in the safety and privacy of your own home. No more inconvenient trips to the range and you will save a ton of money on practice ammo. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm and start your training experience. Improve muscle memory, increase reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and much more. iTarget comes in all the major calibers, including 223, so you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Save 10% plus. Get free shipping with the offer code Bannon when you go to itargetpro.com right now. Don't rely on the government to make you feel safe. Empower yourself with itargetpro. That's the letter itargetpro.com. itargetpro.com and the offer code is Bannon. Big tech monitors us, censors us, deplatforms us. Conservatives have been helpless to do anything about it until now. Join Getter, the social media platform that supports free speech and opposes cancel culture. On Getter, you can express your political beliefs without fear of Silicon Valley liberals coming after you. Getter is led by former Trump advisor and War Room co-host Jason Miller, who saw what big tech did to President Trump and decided to fight back. Getter is the fastest growing social media platform in history with millions of users, including prominent conservatives like Mike Pompeo, Steve Cortez, and Steve Bannon. Join Getter. It's in the App Store, the Google Play Store, and at Getter.com. Longer posts, longer videos, sharper and clearer pictures. And unlike the Silicon Valley oligarchs, Getter will never sell your data. Send a message today. Join Getter. It's time to cancel cancel culture. Okay, welcome back. I want to just make a tiny... Uh, our uh, other relative was Chief Petty Officer Thomas Bernard Jack, who was the son of the, my great-grandfather. And um, like I said, he fought in the Civil War, First Main Cavalry, and his, um, his uh, brother was at Dahlgren's Raid. In fact, died at Dahlgren's Raid up on the, when they tried to cross the James River. Was, there was a gunfight up there. I think the first 12 of them got killed there, and Dahlgren got killed later in Mechanicsville. Uh, where they found the orders, supposedly a secret orders, to seize the White House of the Confederacy and either capture the cabinet, Jefferson Davis, or assassinate him, uh, which started off this whole chain of events uh, that led to the assassination of President Lincoln later. Uh, he's buried, he was a chief petty officer, a radioman chief in the Navy in World War I and in World War II. Um, 
in fact, there's a famous story. He was on the, one of the ships that uh, went up to, the, I think, the Augusta that uh, Patrick K. O'Donnell, where uh, FDR and I think Churchill met for the first time. A big family legend of that. Um, the, um, um, let's go. Captain Bannon talks us about Memorial Day, talks us about, pe about what people should be doing. Um, I highly encourage the audience, if you are near one of those national cemeteries in the United States, Puerto Rico, or abroad, or any of the soldiers' lots, monuments, memorials, or markers, I highly encourage you to get out there today and pay your respects. Even if you can, can't get out there today, I encourage you to go visit them and pay your respects. I also want the audience to remember that today is not the day to thank a veteran for, for their service. Today is about those that paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms. So I want the audience to keep that in mind while they're going throughout the day today. Yes, and uh, this will tee us up for the, uh, not just for Veterans Day, but for Reeds Across America, where there's this whole movement to put Reeds on all the, all the, all the um, gravestones, the grave markers of the, uh, of the uh, fallen and uh, other veterans that are died in these military cemeteries. Um, we're going to replay this entire broadcast from 4 to uh, 6 today. Then at 6, we've got a special. We're kind of pivoting at the end of Memorial Day. I've got uh, Joe Allen and I are going to do an entire special on transhumanism and kind of kick off the week. So please make sure you see the uh, the 6 o'clock show. It's going to be very, very special. Um, Patrick K. O'Donnell, um, your research is amazing. I know you're working on another big book. When, when can people – so Indispensables, uh, which is also an incredible book, uh, is now out in paperback. Uh, I want to go to the site. I want to make sure everybody can get to all of your books. When, when is your next book uh, due? Probably about a year and a half, Steve. I'm uh, I'm <laughs> I'm nearly finished with the book, and uh, it's the the editors like to spend a lot of time on it, even though they don't. I mean, I I turn in a book and it's not heavily edited, but they like to take their time with it, and. Um, I'm 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 extremely uh, excited about that Civil War book. I, it makes me wake up every morning and and get excited because it's a story I've been working on for the last five years. I can't get in all the details. Wow! But it has an incredible special operations uh, aspect to it, and it's an untold story that um, that I know that people will will find very compelling. You, you've and, kind of uh, gravitated over. You've kind of gravitated over time to these uh, elite units, and and that's it, been my that's been my thing. Yeah, since the beginning, uh, the last thirty years, many consider me to be, you know, an, um, the expert on American elite units, beginning from the revolution, you know, forward, especially World War II, and uh, it's it's a passionate thing, and I, I think one of the themes in my book is how a single individual or a small group of individuals can shape or bend history. And that's certainly the case with, with many of the books because they are touching upon, you know, great inflection points in history where a single person can change that, can change history, can change things. And that's something that I think uh, certainly holds true today. We, we have your, your destiny yeah, your in books, our hands. We're able to change. Yeah, it, it is. And your book is, although these elite units, 
and obviously people have to step their game up. They're, they're ordinary Americans in these elite units. That's the power of it, all the way from the revolution all the way through. Doing extraordinary things, called upon by fate or destiny or their country. It's just extraordinary. Patrick, real quickly, how do people get to your website? I'm on I'm at Getter, at, at Combat Historian, as well as Twitter. Website is, is my name, patrickkodonnell.com. The books are at... Barnes & Noble, uh, Amazon. You can go anywhere, any bookstore and, and pick them up. I want to thank you, sir, once again for uh, spending Memorial Day with us. Thank you so much. Honored, as always. It's Audience an honor, favorite. Steve. Thank you. Captain Bannon, your, uh, your getter handle, how do people on Twitter, how do people get to you? Everyone can find me on Getter at Maureen underscore Bannon, Twitter Maureen underscore Bannon, and on Instagram at Real Maureen Bannon. Okay. We're going to replay this entire broadcast on Real America's Voice, our producing and distribution partner. We'll start at 4 p.m. this afternoon. So if you haven't, didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing or have somebody else, thank you. We're going to leave you with Mansions of the Lord. Have a uh, productive and fruitful Memorial Day. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.